A little audio there from about a month ago. I was able to sneak out for a few days and sailed up to the Great Wicomico River, which is uh, just a bit south of the Potomac. Spent a day at anchor, uh, and I forgot how loud it gets up in the V-berth of Firefly. Uh, the gusts were about maybe 25 or so, but once she starts hunting around the anchor, uh, the halyards get going, the snubber draws tight, and it gets, uh, gets a little bit raucous up forward. Anyway, let's roll into the intro here. Greetings. You're listening to the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. Whether you're a grizzled old salt, pining for the days of wire rope halyards, or a greenhorn, wondering what the hell a dolphin striker is, this is the podcast that seeks to fill the need for everybody's third most favorite pastime. That is, talking about sailing. Greetings, sailors. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. If you're in the States, if you're elsewhere, I hope you've enjoyed whatever your version of the Harvest Festival is. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope you're enjoying your summer. That sounds pretty good. Uh, So I did not get my act together enough to have an interview ready to go this month. Uh, So it's just me for this episode. And I saw that a guy who I sailed with uh, down to Tortola in the Caribbean 1500 uh, two years ago uh, just completed what is, I believe, his first big offshore passage as a, as a skipper aboard his own boat uh, with his wife. And they sailed down to Antigua uh, from the Chesapeake uh, via Bermuda. So uh, congrats, Ryan. Good, good on you, man. Uh, more than a little bit jealous. Uh, but given that, I thought this would be a good uh, episode to talk about um, the trip uh, I crewed on with, uh, with him back uh, two years ago now. Um, but Before we get into that, I do want to ask a quick favor of you, the listener, uh, and that is to leave a star rating and a review of this podcast on iTunes. iTunes is the primary way that people download podcasts, uh, so positive reviews go a long way towards helping other sailing maniacs find us. If you are listening to the podcast in the podcast app on an iPhone, uh, the easiest way to do this is to click on the search function, uh, type in the Bonnie Boat. If you click on the Bonnie Boat icon under the podcast heading there uh, and then click on the reviews tab, you can leave a star rating and review and I would greatly appreciate it. Um, And while you're there, click on subscribe as well if you haven't already. Um, If you're on Android or using another podcast app, I know all those have rating systems as well. Uh, But if you feel inclined and you have iTunes on a computer, next time you sit down at the computer and you're perusing Yacht World or uh, checking out the sailing YouTube vids, um, open up iTunes and, and leave us a review. I, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, anyway, enough of that. Let's get into it. So the trip from Portsmouth, Virginia to Tortola in the British Virgin Islands 
2016 was my first and to date only uh, time offshore. I was crewing aboard a Vokier 38 called Sojourner. And if you are a fan of sailing podcasts, that boat may sound familiar. Uh, and that would be because it is Andy Shell's dad's Dennis's boat, uh, if you can follow that. Uh, so Dennis was the skipper. Uh, and there were two other guys, uh, Ryan, Les, and myself. Uh, and I wrote up a little piece about it for Spin Sheet Magazine, the local Chesapeake Bay sailing magazine here. Uh, and I think we'll, uh, we'll start there. A Chesapeake sailor offshore. You all right up there? The skipper called out to me from beneath the Dodger. It was an hour into my watch. I was steering in 30 knots of wind with a 10-foot following sea. The sun had set two hours prior, and we were running at seven knots under triple-reefed mainsail. Our course was southeast, but mostly I was keeping the wind on the port quarter, feeling the angle on the back of my neck. The occasional soaking blast of spray made me all the more sensitive to the apparent wind. I was way outside my comfort zone. We departed Portsmouth, Virginia three days earlier with the other participants in the Caribbean 1500, bound for Tortola in the British Virgin Islands. The passage south is usually a difficult one, or so I had read. I signed on to test myself and to hone my abilities. That night at the helm, however, I was not feeling so inspired. In reply, I asked the skipper Dennis if one of the other two guys on board, Ryan or Les, might not be a better choice. He yelled back up at me, Just don't jibe, you'll be fine. He later told me he was watching our course on the GPS below and felt comfortable with my handling of the boat. His vote of confidence shook me out of my funk. I began to get a feel for the boat, how the rudder would load up as waves overtook us and ease as we slid down the back. I began to anticipate the swing and surge. I spent less time frantically spinning the wheel to keep us on course. Muscle memory returned. Lessons learned sailing my own boat on the Chesapeake were reinforced. I continued to be doused by spray, but the hiss of white water around us had lost its menace. I slept well on my off watch. The following days held more challenges and rewards. We experienced another frontal passage with big winds and a confused sea, followed by long periods of motoring through calms. We had dolphins on the bow. We flew the asymmetrical spinnaker through the night beneath a gigantic moon. I was surprised at how mentally difficult the passage was. I found the feeling of exposure by being far offshore unsettling. I expected to love every second of the trip. I was surprised when I did not. Despite those challenges, my memory has begun to soften those sharp spikes of adrenaline and stress. I recall jokes among the crew, perfect trade when sailing, and that first fragrant scent of land. Would I sign on again? Ask me tomorrow. So, uh, obviously, I have a sailing podcast now. Uh, so the answer to would I do it again is is yes, I think. <laughs> I think that, that's obvious. Um, and I'm sure I will... Uh, I will crew on, on some more trips on other people's boats. Uh, but for me, the real, the real goal is to, to someday skipper my own boat offshore. Um, and in, in going on this trip uh, back in 2016, I learned, learned a lot about what goes into that and, and also what, what doesn't. Um, so there were, there were two things that I found surprising about that trip that really stuck out to me. Uh, and the first, like I said, was, was how mentally challenging it was. I wrote about that feeling of exposure and it was almost like that feeling you get when you're a kid walking up the stairs in the dark and you think there's something behind you. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that acute, but there's just like a low-level constant knowledge of how far from anything you are. Uh, and I found that intimidating, and it got to me a little bit. Um, at the same time, um, it, certainly, uh, it certainly made me careful. Um, 
and then unless one of the one of the other guys in the crew uh, who had done a few trips offshore previously uh, and it's just just an all-around awesome guy and uh, and very wise I think uh, he said to me before we left um, that he really wanted to stay to be proactive about staying on top of his, his state of mind throughout the trip and, and to stay really try and stay positive um, and at the time I, I didn't have any idea what he was talking about um, but as it turns out it was really uh, the thing the piece of advice I should have taken to heart um, and it's certainly not to say that I didn't have a great time or that I was freaking out the whole time or anything like that. Uh, that certainly wasn't the case. Um, but I was surprised by the intensity of the whole experience and was frankly unprepared for that, that aspect of it. Um, the second thing I learned was really just a thousand little things in watching Dennis run the boat. Uh, he's an awesome guy, uh, great skipper. He's very comfortable being in charge, uh, and he would, you know, he would take his time. He was never in a rush. Uh, he would lay out the plan, and uh, and we'd do it. It was great, uh, you know. And, and and he had a good sense of humor about it. And he'd say things like "Sail the wind, boys," or "Go east." <laughs> uh, you know, the point being that we had thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred miles or so to sail. Uh, so don't sweat the small course changes. Sail the boat. Um, and actually, I guess I guess the third thing that, that surprised me uh, doesn't really have anything to do specifically with sailing offshore, uh, but that was just how much more work a big boat is than, than a smaller boat. Um, even with winches on everything, you know, the, the loads on a big boat kind of kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, I'm used to Firefly, where I can I can literally muscle everything around if I want to. Um, you know, I'll I'll put a Genoa sheet on on a winch going to windward 15 knots, say. Um, and if, you know, even then, it's really only if I don't get the sheet all the way in during attack. Um, and likewise, in those conditions, you know, I'll, I'll use a winch to tension the headsail halyard. But, but that's really it. Um, and that is definitely not the case on a larger boat. Um, and that just made it all the more apparent how important good sailing and, and good leadership is with, with those bigger loads and, and the stakes are that much higher. The other thing I wanted to mention was I did wear a... Uh, scopalamine patch the whole trip uh, and it did prevent me from getting seasick i've never actually gotten seasick in my life um, but i'd also never been offshore in a small boat so I, I took the patches out of caution um they did make me uh somewhat foggy headed not not extremely so but enough that i, I might consider not wearing them in the future uh so that's that's the long and short of it um I, it was a great trip um like i said i, I did find the experience to be challenging um but despite that or you know perhaps because of it uh there's definitely more of more of that in my future um and like i said earlier it's definitely been a, a long time goal of mine to sail my own boat uh across an ocean so the the trip down to the bvis was hopefully just the start of all that um but you know that's down the road a bit at the moment uh and in a lot of ways this podcast is a way for me to to one, ask people about their experiences for my own knowledge, and, and two, to keep keep my head in the game a little bit. Um, so I want to leave you with a quick reflection on why I feel drawn to this kind of fundamentally strange pastime. <laughs> you know, you hear a lot of people talk about the magic of seeing dolphins and wildlife at sea uh, in a very personal and, and raw way. Uh, you hear people talk about the perfect solitude of a night watch, uh, which is an amazing thing. Um, you know, the, the people talk about the satisfaction of, of achieving a difficult thing, uh, the excitement of landfall. Uh, you hear people talk about the first smell of land after a long time at sea. 
uh, incidentally, which which for me smelled like andouille sausage and garbage. <laughs> I don't know if that says something about the Caribbean or, or something about me. <laughs> um, but sailors talk about they talk about catching fish or just just the opportunity to unplug from the the artificial stressors of of modern living. Um, and certainly all of those things are kind of part of the magic stew. Uh, but for me, the real reason I feel drawn to sailing is, is pretty simple. And that's I just love the feel of a boat charging through the sea. I love standing on the windward side and looking down the curve of the boat. Sometimes I feel like I can visualize the, the energy flowing from the wind through the rigging uh, to the hull. Like she's being pulled along by the winches through the sea. It's really a, a pretty simple thing, but uh, but I find it enthralling, and I suspect uh, many of you do as well. So thanks for listening. Until next time. That's it for this episode of The Bonnie Boat. Thanks for listening. I know time is my most scarce resource these days, so I appreciate you... Uh, choosing to spend your time listening here. One of the reasons I decided to throw my hat into the podcast ring is to get in touch with other like-minded sailing maniacs. To that end, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at thebonnieboat at gmail.com. You can find us online at thebonnieboat.wordpress.com. And remember, to be a sailor, you don't need a YouTube channel with 100,000 video subscribers. You don't need an Instagram account with pictures of beautiful people in their bathing suits. You certainly don't need a podcast. You don't even need a boat. You just need to go sailing. Until next time, this is Firefly standing by on Channel 16. I do have a tune for you this week. Um, this is a highly inappropriate holiday song. And back uh, back a few years ago when I was living and playing music in Charlottesville, we were asked to uh, contribute an original song to a uh, like a local holiday CD. And uh, and everybody, all the you know the other folks on the on the disc had these kind of sweet you know nice happy holiday songs. And uh, and we submitted a song about. Uh, a drunk Santa Claus at the mall. So <laughs> this is, I actually don't get to take any credit for this. I uh, mostly just came, played guitar. Um, but my good buddy Jared is singing and, and playing mandolin on this. And, uh, and our, our friend, uh, Dr. Trick's man Teufel came up with, with most of the, uh, the lyrics. And it's a pretty funny song if, uh, if highly inappropriate. So anyway, have a, uh, have a good holiday. This is called 
12-day Christmas bender. White snow in the bitter cold Lose the luster when a man gets old Especially when you've lost your wife And your house being sold well, You can call me Ebenezer You can call me a drunk All the children call me Santa At the mall on Christmas month and Now I'm on a 12-day Christmas bender Can't find my reindeer the three kings keep me company, old bourbon, scotch, and beer. Waking up drunk in a manger, it ain't no good for me. In the mirror I see a stranger, lit like a Christmas tree. Once I was respected, in my profession I was feared. But now I lost my job and gotta wear that big white beard. Once I was a man of means, had a castle on the hill. Now I'm breaking my back with this big red sack just to pay the bills. Well, a sip of Santa's little helper helps me to start the day. I take the bus to work because they repossess my sleigh. I stumble off the escalator, destination plastic prone. Guaranteeing little promises that the youngsters can't take home. Just to pay the bills. And now I'm breaking my back with this big red sack. 